so many people get caught up in planning. I heard it recently, the CEO of this company called Mutiny, on the way to something big, I think, the CEO puts it as being stuck in the basement of like when you're stuck planning, thinking about something, talking to other experts. It's like, you, okay, you're in the basement. Well, you just got to get out of the basement and, and start actually doing things. And like the ability to make decisions quickly and act on them has probably been one of the biggest driving factors in, in my professional career. Welcome to Pivot Me where we give business tips and mental hacks so you can move past your biggest obstacles and live the life you've earned. And now your host, business advisor and performance expert, April Garcia. For years, I made large companies larger and rich people richer. Now I coach driven entrepreneurs to hack success, create more time and get better results through high performance habits, the multiply me method, and a little mental gymnastics. On Pivot Me, I talk to thought leaders and experts sharing our successes, our many scrubs, and how we can all use both to move us to the next level. Join us and learn real simple steps to pivot you and your business towards the life you've earned. My guest today started in a dorm room with a laptop and a best friend. He goes on to build a marketing agent in his early 20s and scales it. He started before he was ready, before he had all the answers. In fact, he started his current company at just 22 years old. Today, he's going to share exactly how he did that, when to act fast, how to drive through uncertain situations in the marketing world right now, that might mean the recent iOS update, and how having an abundance mindset keeps him focused on the right things. Matt's not focused on his competitors. He's swimming in a lane of one. In fact, when I ask him to tell on other marketing firms, like, all right, Matt, give us the juicy stuff. I ask him, what are they doing wrong? He pauses and then he goes on to speak highly of his competition, tells me what a great job they're doing. He is a class act. We will also get into the details of the marketing work he does. We get pretty granular. We discuss ads and conversions and click-through rates. Oh my. Matt's also going to share about his mindset as a young entrepreneur. He tells us how he self-sabotages just like the rest of us and what he does about it. But I also want you to listen closely when he talks about decision-making and this concept of the one-way versus two-way door. Remember when I told you a few weeks back that a trend in business success was swift execution? We had that conversation. Well, Matt does that and he explains it beautifully with this door analogy. It is juicy. Let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Matt. I'm so glad to have you on Pivot Me today. Thanks so much, April. I'm so happy to be here. Absolutely. So we're going to get into your business and some success principles that we've discussed offline and talk about optimization versus innovation. But first, Matt, I would love for you to talk about how you got into this type of work. Yeah. So long story. And, and again, like nice work on the last podcast, the last couple of podcasts, you've had some, some hitters on here. And that's kind of what brought us together, that whole innovation versus optimization thing. bit about me. This is my second time on the podcast now. Um, yeah, thanks. I'm happy to be here. So about seven years ago now, it's crazy to think it was seven years ago. I was in college. I was a sophomore and my dorm mates from the year before were starting a startup. I was struggling to get a job at the time. And I figured, well, you know what, like who needs a job? I'll just like help this company to get off the ground. 
And I learned everything I could about marketing, about tech. I learned how to build websites. I learned how to run ads. And while our company wasn't super successful, it led me to consulting and marketing by the time I was a junior, senior in college, worked with companies all over the world, um, Japan, Israel. I worked with companies in London and then graduated college and started True Venture Marketing. Started True focused on really the type of marketing that got results, data-driven marketing, things that I thought would really add value for startups and had a couple of major successes right out the gate. You know, was really fortunate, had a great client list and wound up growing a few early, early stage startup companies from like doing a few thousand dollars a month to doing a few hundred thousand dollars a month. Wow. Yeah. And that was, that's kind of the origin story, you know, along the way was able to build a team. Um, now we have, we have a really awesome heavy hitting team that kind of mixes performance marketing and product marketing. We work mostly with software companies getting, I'm, let me know if I'm getting too much in the weeds, but you're, you're good. You're good. So, can, I, I do want to ask a question. So Matt, you have enjoyed success I'm just going to say it at a pretty young age, like, did you struggle at all with sort of the mindset of stepping into, okay, I'm in college and now I'm consulting these companies and now I'm working with these tech startups. Now we've had a lot of success. We've helped them have a lot of success. Like, how did you manage your mindset through that? Oh gosh, that's a good question. So early on, before I started True, I was doing this consulting. I had a business partner and this business partner, he's he's a genius. I have to give it to him. And I often attributed my success before I started this company to having that partnership with, with this person. And when eventually we, we had to split the company up because like, we just had a lot of different ideas of where to go. And when you, when two people can't agree on one direction, like there's just no, you become stuck. And so it got bad enough. We had to split up the company and, and I left and almost within like two weeks, it was a big leap of faith of like, is it, is it my success? Is it this person's success? Yeah. Making that leap. I mean, within a week I had clients within a week, my reputation and like my own success started showing that, showing me that it was my success. And that was a big confidence boost, but it wasn't like, I just thought, oh, now I can do anything. It was more like my ceiling went higher. And eventually I had to grow into that. And then there were other moments like there's, I think my whole career has been, um, I grow and I grow and I grow and I, I hit this plateau and then, or maybe I hit a ceiling as since we're on one analogy, let's <laughs> stick to it, but like hit a ceiling yeah, and then we're committed to exactly. it. Exactly. And then I think it's usually like some eye-opening event happens, whether, oh, we just had these amazing results, that ceiling goes up. And I would say, yeah, I've struggled with, limiting myself and having limiting my mindset. I, I think everyone does at some degree, but it's like, you know, I've taken big steps to kind of raise that ceiling and think, think more as possible. Yeah. Like where was this defining moment where you go, Oh, I've really got something here. Like this is a business. This isn't just something I'm doing after hours or on the weekends. Yeah. So there was, when I first started this company four, four years ago, a little more than four years ago, I knew that I had to make money. I had to make enough to pay my bills or I had to get a job. There was no backup. There's no fallback. And my window was like three or four weeks. <laughs> I didn't give myself much time. 
Fortunately, it was like consulting. So I was like, I can just work hourly for 50 bucks an hour or something if I need to and, and pay my bills. And, and that's like how I got started. The defining moment, I think, was when we took on a project that is a small retainer, but a heavy performance-based incentive that like they were paying us a couple bucks a lead. And I had this, we were running Facebook ads for them. And it was, this is like two months into starting true. We have this incentive bonus, a couple bucks a lead. And our Facebook ads just started taking off. Like we were, we started generating, you know, 10 leads a day, 20 leads a day, a hundred leads a day. And it became a few hundred leads a day. And so it was like, we hit, we had a couple of weeks there for us, like, like making really, really good money on this project. And I was stretched to my capacity to get to the couple hundred leads a day. I, through that process, had to hire, had to bring in design ass resources, hired a designer who's still with us and wound up scaling up a bit of a team around it. But like, that was the defining moment of, man, like this is starting to make good money and it's enough that I can hire a team and actually grow into something. So I think that was kind of defining was, you know, just creating a structuring a really good fair agreement with a client that was mutually beneficial and just doing good work and like watching the results kind of blossom. So when that was happening at any point, the leads start increasing, increasing. Did you go, wait, this is too much. I'm scaling too fast. Maybe I need to throw it into neutral. The good questions. I, a couple of times I did. Yeah. The struggle was that we had so we had such a good client, actually. The CMO of this company that, that I was working for pushed us with like, you know, this this person had a background in, in this kind of advertising and also was really driven as a startup founder and would push us to like, no, just keep, keep doing it. Keep, keep growing, keep spending more money, keep scaling. Like we're going to get through this. And that, you know, almost like became a mentor in some ways. And showed me that to get past discomfort, you almost just got to face it and drive through. Yeah. It reminds me of the quote of the whole, like, uh, who was it that said that? Oh gosh, I just blanked on who it is, but like say yes and then figure out how to deliver on the back end. Was that Steve Jobs? Anyways, always say yes to new opportunities and you're like, all right, I'll say, say yes to new business and then figure out how to deliver on the back end. I, I love that concept. Like sometimes we'll face, like sometimes things will get blocked or stopped just because of what happens after this. Do we have like, do we have infrastructure? Do we have like, Oh, is their team ready for this kind of volume? And I love asking that type of question of like, well, if, if we create this problem, they'll fix it. Like if there's too many leads, they'll, they'll figure it out. Like it's a good problem to have. Yeah. Like um, really almost like, you know, solve the problem that's staring you in the face and figure out the rest as you get to them. Yeah. So I'm thinking about like you going through college, you're getting this particular gray, you're, you're working with tech startup, then you've got a business, you pivot away from the business partner, you create another business. So you lead people at no point is that leadership training. That's not what you're studying in school. You had to take on a lot of new skill sets in running the business that you have today. How did you do that? How did you navigate that? One step at a time. <laughs> yeah. Fortunately, there's been a lot of like learning throughout my career. I'm still learning all the time. And I've asked a lot of people for assistance and support in leadership. When I first started, it was me managing and working, collaborating with one person, which is really easy for me to do. Two people be became a little bit more of a stretch. And at like the three to four 
people size team, things start to change. I think like you, you get a little bit out of the day-to-day work and become more of a manager. And so like, I've really just taken it one step at a time, but I read a lot of like first round review. I, I did establish like we early on, we, we really focused on culture. What are our core values? There's a, a great book I read called the core value equation. Um, I have it up on my bookshelf there somewhere, but I'm not, I can't remember the author's name right now. The core value equation is a great one. Talking about, We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Read that book, talked to, you know, I, I wound up getting a mentor who's talked me through some operational things, supported me there. Talk to us about the mentor. Did, did you know you needed a mentor? Did the mentor present itself? Talk to us about that process. Yeah. Such a good, uh, another good question. Yeah. So about two or three years ago, so we started working with Edon a few years back and I was working with Duggar when a lot of our Nevada people know Doug, um, shout out to him, but we were working <laughs> with Doug and I had a lot of conversations with him just over the years. And like he had, without being an official mentor, you know, coached me through a lot of things and just about at the start of this year, found out Doug was actually launching his own coaching business. And I started working with him. Like it was an obvious it was pretty obvious to me that like, it was a good decision. And, you know, I already had a really high regard for him and yeah, it helped me through a lot. We've talked about mentorship and, and coaching. Same, there's a little bit of nuance there, but we talked about a lot on Pivot Me. So looking back, what's some of the things that have changed in your business by taking on a mentor? Yeah. So right off the bat, one of them was like actually challenging me to grow and challenging myself. So we had a huge opportunity in front of us at the beginning of this year. Uh, actually, it was like towards the end of last year. And so there was like some strategy that like right off the bat made the whole mentorship thing revenue positive experience just because I was able to ask really tough questions of like about pricing a certain client or pricing a certain project and like, hey, how would you go about this? Like probably going to need to hire someone to fulfill this work because it's so much work. And was able just to bounce ideas off of this. And I'm a sole founder. Like I'm, I own hundred percent of this company. And so oftentimes I don't have someone to go to, to like talk strategy. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and so right off the bat, it was like, oh, I can just, I can just run pricing by this. And so there was like the obvious in your face helped with some business decisions. And then also, sorry, going back to the question, the question was, how has this supported you? Yeah. Yeah. How, what's changed in your business since bringing on a mentor? So a, a lot's changes. I think day to day, like having a better, healthier mindset, have, you know, asking better questions. Like I've been coached to ask better questions. Um, sometimes, you know, with a, with a coaching agree, like or arrangement, I'll have a conversation with my coach and there's usually like a lot of ideas come up and many of them are applicable to me that I can also just pass right on as a leader to sure. the rest of my team. And so it's almost like, being around somebody who's been in a leadership position, who's, who's leading me in some ways has given me tools that I can just take, Hey, this, this was really good for me. I can pass that on to the other people at our team. So I heard it helps with pricing, surprising strategy at the beginning, improved mindset. It sounds like it helped you become even a better leader and was revenue positive right away. Within like a month or so. Yeah. That's amazing. Right? <laughs> That's amazing. The, the the pricing thing was kind of like, it might've actually been before we hired him. I'm not sure. It was like, I had this really big opportunity and wasn't quite sure how to go about pricing it. And like, it was a really complex thing of like, oh, well we can, 
like they want us to do so much work in such a short period of time that like there's a high likelihood that either I will have to dedicate my own time at the cost of our existing clients to this project, or I can go and hire someone new. Either way, it's not a standard agreement for us. It was like such an accelerated project. And so it was a lot for me to digest. And so um was able to, to speak with my coach and just, we figured out a yeah, really smart way to go about that. Pricing that, that was fair to us, was fair to the client, was fair to our other clients. Also, that's just really important. You know, running an agency, you're in some ways selling time for money um, as much as we try to try to avoid that. And so there's all these things we have to balance. Just having somebody to talk that through was helpful. And I think that's a good reminder. Like you said, hey, I'm the solo founder. So whether you're the solo founder, you're the head of an organization, one of the challenges I've seen over and over again, whether that's a conversation we have on the podcast with the people that I've worked with, if there's no one to bounce ideas off of, because sometimes when you're the head of an organization, if you have questions, concerns, you can't always bring those to your team because you're you're trying to lead them and you're you're giving them confidence and faith in the journey. The truth is those of us who are leading organizations, every once in a while we're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure we're going to the right way, but man, I wish I could ask somebody else. And I, I'm glad that you pointed that out because if you're listening right now, if you're a pivoter listening and you're like, yes, I make decisions all day and I hope they're right, but I, I wish I had someone to have that conversation. Sometimes it's a formal agreement between a mentor and a coach. Sometimes it's just, it's an informal agreement, but someone that you can kind of talk through the challenges of your business, the opportunities of your business. It's an invaluable piece to growing your business. You know, I would say, and, and I'm in a similar position with doing marketing work. Some of it is more strategy and consulting. It's like we're we're too close to the problem. Oftentimes, that's that's the the core issue. It's like it's like you're inside a jar and you're trying to look to see what's on the label, but you can't. You're inside the jar, like you can't turn your head around that. So, having an outside perspective is just like this crystal clear. Hey, here's what either here's how you're positioned, or here maybe this is my point of view on this thing you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So Matt, let's actually talk about the work that you do. So talk to us today, the work that you do, the kind of clients that you work with. Yeah. So the bulk up until about June of this year, July of this year, we became really focused on performance marketing, on pay-per-click advertising, on Google, on Facebook, LinkedIn. But we've always had this component of what we do that is landing page design, email marketing, and like designing user interfaces and things like that, designing apps, you know, like that kind of thing. We've always done that kind of work. What happened in June was iOS 14.5, which is this Apple like privacy rollout, um, it really affected our business. And we thought it was going to affect us more. So we kind of had this strong knee-jerk reaction of like, okay, we need to reposition ourselves. And in some ways we did. We we began focusing more on the landing pages and on the, what we call UX UI, like the, the user experience. We still do all that performance marketing. Actually, we've done really well. We have a new performance marketing manager, Sarah, who's doing an amazing job there. And like some of our campaigns have just done amazing lately. But lately, like we've been doing this product as marketing, marketing, you know, like working with the engineers at these software companies to design like, oh, hey, if we if we add this link here, like a share button, 
then it'll make the product more shareable or like, so we've been doing a lot of work to, to like build marketing into the product so that the users become the biggest source of growth for a company compared to like, just ads are so expensive and so shaky sometimes. Like they're, they're an amazing avenue and we, we are good at it. But having now like the landing page, the product is marketing arm and the UX UI, and we have a really, you know, Sergio is amazing at that kind of stuff. Having that now we have like this one, two punch of like, okay, we have the work that's always going to be valuable as a very long tail effect. That product is marketing stuff. And then we have performance marketing, which is like the, you turn on the valve and it, you know, you get some water coming in, but as soon as you stop spending money on it, that hose is going to shut off. Now we have kind of the one, two punch. The iOS update that happened, man, it did really shake everyone in the community. I, everyone was like, oh my gosh, it's going to be terrible. And it's like, ah, well, it's kind of terrible. We're not sure. And now the dust is settling. But you said you had a knee-jerk reaction that the pivot that you made because of that, did ultimately that serve you? Did you find other ways to turn on the tap, it sounds like? Yeah, I think it served us. I think, um, well, one, it caused us to really question who we were. And like when you had Jay on the show, he mentioned the whole innovation versus optimization thing. Well, before the pivot, like we had almost started to identify as performance marketing and most of our billings were coming from performance marketing. Um, and so all of our other work that I actually really liked doing like the, the UX UI, the landing pages, that stuff had almost been put on the back burner. The knee jerk reaction like there was probably two weeks where you could tell we were really disorganized, but it helped us to shift from really optimizing around performance marketing and creating all this process around performance marketing to becoming a more innovative firm once again, which is super valuable for us. Yeah. Talk about how that's valuable to your clients as well, being a more innovative firm. Yeah. So like one thing that's happened is we've gotten more like we've really been focused on data and, and speed. Like when we were focused on performance, that was what was making us money. And we thought that, you know, it was making our clients money, but we had developed so much process around it that every time we tried to throw in a different project, the different projects would be a little bit slow. And like, sometimes we would, they wouldn't get as much attention as like the, the ads and stuff like that. When we shook everything up, we changed how we kick off the week. Like now every week we start by looking at each client's whole marketing funnel. And I'm not sure how I might be getting too much in the weeds, but we look at like, Oh, how many, how many visitors are they getting? How many of those visitors become leads? How many of those leads become sales demos and how many of those sales demos become. And we look at the whole funnel and we actually have it all mapped out on a Miro board. And we just, we pick two or three areas like, Hey, these conversion rates are low. Or, oh man, there's a stark drop off or this email's underperformed. We have all the emails mapped in this whole customer journey too of like click-through rates, open rates. And we have it all just visualized on a pretty much a digital whiteboard of like every single piece of the customer journey. And now we, it's just, we go, we, on Mondays, we look at that and it, we have all the data and we just pick, Hey, these are our biggest drop-off points right now. Let's focus on those. And so we've become data-driven. We've created sprints around fixing those problems. And so we've shortened timelines to like do these projects. We've gotten more clarity on what to work on for the client. And then we've just created this culture around like execution and speed and working on the right things. I think our clients, like so far, we've only, we're 
it took us a little bit to figure out the right process. Like we were a little disorganized making this switch, yeah. but now like the results are starting to really come in and it's just looking great. Yeah. You know what? I want to really highlight this for the pivoters listening right now. So the iOS update was a huge thing in the digital marketing world. Like this was really, really big. And it felt like to a lot of people that the rug was getting pulled out from underneath a lot. If a lot of your business was based on Facebook ads, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but this, this kind of dumped the puzzle box upside down. At the time, it didn't feel like people were going to grow out of this. A lot of people were like, oh crap, this is where our revenue comes from. This is how we can perform. But ultimately, as Matt's story just illustrated, is it made his company better. It made the offering to his clients better. He's providing a better experience, a better service to the clients. That's throughout the industry. So whenever we have big industry changes, it feels like, oh my God, there goes my revenue stream. Oh my God, that's how we get customers. Whatever that change is, it's the, these pivots that we go through, we get to choose what it means for our business. And yes, one tap may have shut off or maybe the water's just not coming out, but the opportunity for other taps to be open also comes out of this. We don't make these big innovations. Typically we don't make them unless our backs against the wall. This iOS update put a lot of people's backs against the wall. And some people are like, I'm out. I'm not going to run these ads anymore. I'm not going to do this anymore. But Matt was an example of someone who says, no, 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 we're here to stay. How do we pivot? okay, things got a little messy for a week or two, but we're going to pivot and ultimately make this a better experience. So if you're facing something in your industry like this, maybe where you got clients from has changed. Maybe there's been a legislation. There's some, some change that happens. Know that door closes, the window opens. The problem is we stare so long at the freaking door that closed and we're like, oh, what am I going to do? That we don't turn around and go, oh, this window's open. Sometimes you got to jam the window open, but kudos to you for making a really positive experience out of this iOS update. Ultimately. Thanks April. It's such a good take on what this market's been through. Like every digital marketer I know has been affected. Some have really been hurt. And like we've had a kind of roller coaster year ourselves of like had some amazing months, had some down months, had some amazing months and was able to, we're able to hire some amazing people. Unfortunately, we still have them, but like it's been a roller coaster year and to top it off with the iOS 14.5 and big industry changes, market forces that we have no control over. Like it's definitely tested like my leadership and, and made me better. I think it's tested everyone who's on our team who started getting used to doing things a certain way is now like a little paranoid of what's next. Like, how are we going to be pivoting next month? If Where's the next shoe dropping? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, like one door closes, don't, don't stare at it. Like go around it, find another way. I think that the easiest way through uncomfortable situations is just action. That's good. Yeah. And That's really good. And we tend to not want to do that. We want to analyze to an action. Mm-hmm. Like, but take action. I think that's expand on that, Matt, a little bit and, and tell us how, how that's applied in your business too. Like maybe specifically to this iOS update, but talk about how action really can be the solution to that. Yeah. So like, I, I think that so many people get caught up in planning and, and I've heard, I heard it recently, the CEO of this company called Mutiny, her name is, I might be mispronouncing, but Jala, and I can't remember her last name, but Mutiny is a, a tech company. They just raised couple dozen million dollars on the way to something big, I think. Anyways, the CEO puts it as being stuck in the basement of like when you're stuck thinking about something, talking to other experts. It's like, you, okay, you're in the basement. Well, you just got to get out of the basement and, yep. and start actually doing things. 
speed has been, and like the ability to make decisions quickly and act on them has probably been one of the biggest driving factors in, in my professional career. Oh, that's good. Thank you. And why I say that is that I've just never really had time to plan. And sure, maybe there's some other way that like I could have done things better. Of course, there always are. But I feel like one thing that's really helped me is been is being able just to make decisions quickly, act on them, create a plan around them, and charge forward. That's huge. And Matt, maybe you know this or not, but that dovetailed perfectly into our topic from two weeks ago, which was that speed of execution is something that I've noticed as a hallmark of, of success for entrepreneurs. Like I had a client ask me, what's the one thing that you've noticed in all of them? And I was like, they're really fast to execute. Like they'll have 70% of the data that they need. And they're like, ah, screw it. Let's go ahead with it. And I see that over and over again. I, a good friend of mine, he's the president of creative works, Armando Lanuti. He said the other day, he is incredibly fast executor. And I said, what's, what's the key to that Armando? And I love what he said. He goes, I don't believe that any of my moves are fatal. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's so good. He's like, so whatever it is, if it messes up, I'll do it again. But I don't believe that any decision I'm about to make is fatal. So there's always a do-over. It's that whole idea between two-way doors and one-way doors of like, if you have a two-way door, you can walk in it and you can walk back out it. And that happens to us. Like all the time we make decisions that oh, it wasn't the perfect decision, or maybe we we started testing something and we we you know, see that our assumptions early on need to change because we, we learn from this experiment and then you walk back out of it. Nothing. And there's no harm other than maybe a little bit of lost time, but you could have spent that time just trying to make a decision and then eventually came to the same realization. And so that's the two-way door. So talk to us about the one-way door. That's the two-way door. Well, the one-way door is it's a decision you make. And these are the big decisions of starting that whole new business or quitting your job. Like you're probably, if you quit your job to start a business, well, that's a decision that you can't just go and and erase and go back. Right. So it's a one way door. Those decisions require more time, more thought time in the basement. Like actually before I make any big, big decision like that, I like to do, I like to go to all the people that really I find like I consider mentors or I really respect and I go on like an advice tour before the one-way door decisions, but I try to do it quickly. I don't dwell on it still, but like, I think the ability to recognize the difference between a one-way door and a two-way door and then on the two-way door things and even getting like into more specifics of like, is this a decision that is going to have, like, is this going to have months of implications or weeks? Like, is this a decision that, deserves five minutes of thinking or, you know, 20 seconds of thinking. Like we're always making decisions and, and the ability just to weigh quick decisions versus like, oh, this needs more thought. Maybe we should wait. We should sleep on this for a day because it is a big decision, but like being able to bucket those and then act quickly on the things that need a decision now and saying, oh, I'm going to do that right now, or I'm going to do that today instead of saying, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. Like that has made a major impact on our, my ability, our whole team's ability to move fast. 
I love this idea of deciding whether this is a one-way door or a two-way door. And if it's a two-way door, you go on an advice tour. I love this idea of these mentors. A one-way door, maybe go on an advice tour, yeah. Gotcha. One-way door, you go on an advice tour and get all the data points. But even then, you're still capping on like, all right, I can't stay in the basement long. I'm going to give a certain amount of time that I can gather data and then I got to make a a decision. Matt, were you always this fast of a decision maker? Um, Yes and no. Like I definitely have times where... I feel slow or like maybe I'm not in the thick of it as much, but I think I pick up on when that's the case and I try to correct it. I love when like things are moving fast. I feel like it's, it just gives me energy and like, I see how the clients respond to it. Um, and like we had a client the other day, like, like, Oh, you guys are already doing that. Like, Oh, you're already here. <laughs> like when they're trying to play catch up with our team, it's, it's like the best because gives you a high. Yeah. But I, I guess I'm working on it. You know, it's a muscle that I have to keep flexing and like practicing. And there's definitely been times when we were pivoting out of iOS, you know, performance marketing to doing what we're doing now, like this more well-rounded approach, like that whole process was so clunky for us that our whole organization got pretty slow for a few weeks and it definitely showed, but we, we started to work on it. And, and now like, I feel like we're back to firing on a light. Yeah. It sounds like it was a calculated risk that you knowingly took, because if we're just trying to keep maintain status quo, you never would have had that kind of explosive growth afterwards. If you're like, no, we got to keep, you know, stay on the same track and do the same thing and manage the same level of performance, you would have never done this. So I'm glad that you took the time to go, well, we're going to have to sacrifice some productivity for a couple of weeks and things are going to look a little messy, but then we come out of it and we're at a totally different place and have a much more well-rounded offering. It sounds like. Yeah, I think so. I think it also like future proofs us a little more because like we all know that like Facebook marketing, Google marketing, like advertising, those platforms, they're not, they're probably not going to be around forever or they're always going to be changing and you're kind of at at the whim of those platforms when that's your primary growth method. And like most companies realize and recognize that it's dangerous to be reliant on it as a growth channel. And when our business model had become so dependent on those platforms that it was a big risk for us to be, to be that way. It's like you have this huge like well of water right in front of you and you're like saying, well, that well's not going to be there forever. You got to go out and find your other other water. But everyone's like, but no, the water's right here. <laughs> I don't want to go find another well. Yeah. Yeah. And so the iOS 14.5 change was a, was definitely a kick and it was a, it was a defining moment that showed us we needed to go find, you know, redefine ourselves to be more, to have more robust offerings and to, and it would make us more resilient. And it did. And like, what's interesting is we had made the decision that we needed to go this way back in February or March, but it took iOS 14 and 5. Yeah, it had become painful. So I guess as far as like it is, it, it does, it, it reinforces how hard it is to really practice what I'm preaching of acting fast and making decisions fast, like quickly. Because we had made that decision and we just were so comfortable that well was in front of us. And and fortunately, we had already like we knew what we needed to do. The transition was of like coming up with a plan was easy, but acting still had some hiccups. Mm -hmm. We were just talking on my last call about being comfortable is about the most dangerous place we can be because there's no urgency, right? There's no urgency to take action. We're like, ah comfortable. Things are good enough. And that's often the the killer of innovation and quick 
quick growth because it's, it's okay. You, or your back gets against the wall when our back is put against the wall. And like with the iOS update, that's when we're like, all right, it's time to take action. It's nice that you guys already saw that that had to, had to happen and had a plan in place. Only 3% of speakers, podcasters, and authors make enough money to do it as a full-time career. 3%, man, that's bad. I came from the big business world, and if I wanted to scale my speaking career and release courses, I knew I needed more than just case studies and metrics. I actually needed a personal brand. Brand Builders Group is a personal brand strategy firm for thought leaders, experts, and entrepreneurs, and they work with some of the biggest names. They help clarify your message, expand reach, and increase revenue while monetizing your personal brand. I still do their monthly consulting package, but I've also done their workshops, webinars. They're all great. Don't be part of the 97% who can't afford to do the work they love full time. Connect with the same team I hired to help me. Check them out at pivot-me.com backslash partners and get on their schedule for a free call. So the other marketing companies in your space, tell on them, what are they doing wrong? So the the big thing, actually, there's a lot of great companies. First off, I'm not going to bash on other marketing companies just because like even in Reno, we have some amazing talent and stuff like that. What makes us different there we go. is now it's becoming more and more our focus on being able to work with product, like being able to work with the engineering teams on, you know, at these startups. And then also like, we love putting skin in the game. Like we'll, we'll make agreements all day long where we cut our upfront pricing in half or maybe not in half. I don't want, I don't want your viewers to be like, Oh, cut your pricing in half. I was like, put incentive, <laughs> but we will put an incentive package on it of, Hey, you know, we want uh, either proportion of new bit, like maybe it's revenue from the new customers. Like, so month one revenue, if that's easily trackable and you have subscription business and then we'll do like a portion of that, or we'll do a per lead, like pay per lead kind of thing on top of our normal agreement. So we have a performance aspect of like, yeah, we'll put skin in the game. And then part two, get our hands dirty. We'll work with your engineers. And like we right now, if you look at in-house marketing at software companies in general, they're really close. They're working with the product managers. They're working with the engineers. They're working, you know, it's it's like this growth function. And it's really hard to find an agency right now that actually embeds themselves with engineering or product so that the whole company can actually design itself around growth. And so we're that's what we're working on right now is getting better at that. And, and we also have like our more standard, you know, we work with startups most of the times, but we also have this offering for multifamily, like apartment owners or managers. That's, it's kind of a whole, it's, it's still within true. And we, you know, but like, that's kind of the, the other thing that we're working on right now is we've done some work with an apartment a property manager, like the, an investor who has a few hundred buildings in the Bay area, apartments in the Bay area student housing. And we applied some of our same marketing techniques from startups over that industry. And it just like went through the roof, had some amazing successes. So now we're, we're actually entertaining more opportunities like that as well of like trying to take our model and apply it to that business. And, and what we've seen is just that whole apartment marketing space is really outdated. It's kind of like, Oh, I have 
app folder or my property management software and I click a button that says do marketing. Well, that just puts yourself in the same pool as everyone else. And then you're sending mm-hmm. all your traffic to Zillow or apartments.com instead of sending it to your own website. And so what we've been doing there is like helping people actually create their own web presence and run the run like Facebook, Google ads, run like geo-targeted ads so that people can actually own their own traffic. And it's really the same. It's funny. It's the same type of marketing that we do for startup companies. And we just apply it over to this whole multifamily home market. And I think there's like a ton of opportunity for us there, but it's kind of in its infancy. We have done two projects in it. We're kicking off our third project in it this month. And then we have like a little bit of other interest from, from newer companies, but that's the, the second thing we have. So what I heard is tech companies, software companies, and now the new kind of new focus is multifamily. If someone's listening that are in those three, three buckets, definitely listen to what Matt's got to say. We're going to put the link on where to connect with Matt in the show notes. And we're going to talk about that here in a second, but I wanted to really dial in the people that you specialize in. I know that what you do is much broader than those three areas, but I know that you've spent a lot of time in those areas and really understand how to drive results there. Yeah. And there's like a lot of synergies there. We've most of the tech and software companies that we work with are, are in real estate property technology companies, state technology. So like, I think I might've undersold that aspect of how much work we do in like real estate tech. But um, at the same time, we've worked with like, we work with the university of Nevada on some things um, like more innovative programs. We work with our department of research and innovation. Um, And we've worked, you know, like my background, I've worked with a lot of different types of companies. So there's, it it gives us a a broader view. It kind of widens the aperture of what we can look at and help. Like, but we don't take on like most projects. I'll have a conversation with everyone, like with anyone, but don't take on projects with anyone. I'm pretty, we're, we're pretty picky there of like, do we really think we can add value or not? Yeah. You know, one thing I've got to mention here, Matt, is that separate from your focus in the business, one thing that I've noticed, and and you did it right here on this interview, you've got such an abundance mentality. So when I said, tattle on the marketing companies, what are they doing wrong? You immediately pivoted my question and said, let me tell you how we're different. And I've noticed that theme every time we've talked, you and I've sat in many meetings, you're never talking about what your competitors do. You're in a class of one. And I I really see this as kind of this byproduct of, feel free to jump in and correct me if I'm wrong, but I see this as a byproduct of this abundance mentality. Like there's plenty of business for all of us. There's a lot of A players out there and there's there's a big enough slice of pie for all of us. So true. Like so true because- and I could, I could spend my time like trying to bash competitors. And at the end of the day, it's not going to help. It's not going to help me out. And it's not going to help them out of anything. Like it might just tarnish a relationship we have with like another founder or agency, but yeah, no, we, I appreciate that, that you called that out there. I really like everything you said, I really believe in like, there's a ton of opportunity out there. I think that oftentimes like we're the team to help people. We also partner with like Laxalt MacGyver, which, well, now LM commence, sorry, now commence studio. They just rebranded and they're like an amazing branding studio here. And they also do design work and there's some crossover, but like I believe so firmly in how good they are at design. And they're, it's like almost artistic design and branding that we send them business all the time and vice versa. They send us business all the time. So it's, 
for performance marketing and for, you know, other types of projects. So like we have really good synergies with other agencies here in town. We're, we're now talking with um, Synap, Reno development company. And like, now we're starting to, like, we've kind of vetted them and now there are, you know, chosen dev team. If really, if, if we're looking for dev resources, we'll send people to Synap. So I'll have to tell them that I gave them a shout out on here. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to want to hear this. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I just have noticed that theme and it's, it's a different approach to business when you're like, there's enough for all of us. Like I'm, I'm going to do what I do best and what my team does best. We're going to continue with that. And there's going to be enough for all of us. And there's, there's no need to take down the other guy or even look at what our competitors doing. Like just be in your lane and continue to get better and better. And, um, the, the business will be there. Not sure how you feel about Gary Vee and like, I'm not a diehard fan, but yeah. I, I definitely take note. And like he has some good, there's some good, yeah, so he's a good marketer. He's a good marketer. They, there's like this one quote he has of there's two ways to build the tallest building in town. One is you build the tallest building in town. Two is you spend all your time, you build an average size building, and then you spend the rest of your time trying to tear down the rest of the buildings in town that are taller than you. That is good. I had not heard that before. Yeah. And how many people do the latter? Like how many of us just fall into that trap of, of trying to do the latter instead of just focus on building the tallest building. And if you're, if you're not working on yourself and trying to build your own building, uh, well, you're <laughs> like, you're, you're obviously working on the wrong things and yeah, it's such a distraction and it's, it's almost toxic. Like if I, mean, I mm-hmm. find myself and it's pretty rare, like we had, um, we had a competitor running Google ads for us for like for our keywords. And I just, you know, with my, my mindset, it's like, um, for a second, there's like an app, not an hour, even there's 10 or 15 minutes where I was pretty bitter. And I was like, why are they running Google ads for us? And then I told Brian and we looked at them and we're like, wait a second, it's for true venture marketing. They probably just are running Google ads for marketing. Like they're, and we're getting thrown in there. So like, I was bitter though for a second and it like felt toxic that I even felt that way. I wound up giving it a few hours and like, so that I wouldn't have any like emotion in it. I reached out to their CMO, sent a really nice message. Hey, like notice you're running Google ads for our keywords. I'm sure it's an accident, but like, you know, we're all about win-win opportunities over here. Like we, we love partnering with other agencies and like, I'm not about, I'm, we're not about when like, um, basically we're not about this, like this whole kind of mindset. And so like, basically sent a really nice email over and within a day it was all like they took all of them down. Wow. Accident. And I feel like perspective sometimes like we get too caught up in our own worlds or like we fail to see the other point of view. And so that can be really like, it can actually give, can lead to negative outcomes of like not giving you know things time to settle in. Sure. So one question I do want to ask you about, so we talked a little bit about mindset. Um, one of the things that entrepreneurs really struggle with is self-sabotage. Well, let me rephrase this. People in general struggle with self-sabotage. So the big opportunity and we sabotage it, maybe the business is scaling too fast. We can sabotage it. We, our identity runs counter to it. Have you struggled with self-sabotage? And if so, how did you get past it? Yeah. So I think that everyone struggled with a little bit of self-sabotage, right? Oh yeah. I've done so in a few ways. 
and it might not be what you think. The biggest way that I self-sabotage is I say yes to the wrong things. And the second biggest is I can procrastinate sometimes, especially if there's not a fire under my ass or something. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> say that on pivot me, but you can, you can, we get the E we're going to earn the E today. <laughs> but I, I really think that with my abundance mindset, that you mentioned like I also am prone to saying yes to too many things. And sometimes you can, you know, if you say yes to the wrong things, you're going to fail by succeeding. And Warren Buffett says it best as like, or maybe it was Charlie Munger who said it, it is something along the lines of the, you know, the key to his success was the word no, really paraphrasing, but really there's so many opportunities for all of us. And if you like fail to see opportunity then, or fail to have opportunity, then like, I don't even want to go there. It's more that there's so much, so much opportunity. Like when I was in high school, I wanted to start a mechanic shop and like, who knows where I would have been if I said yes to that one. Um, If I started just working on people's cars, maybe it would have been successful, maybe not. But like the biggest thing is if you say yes to something that's not truly worth your time, then you might become a slave to that decision that it, it, it actually costs you all the other opportunities that you might otherwise have had. That's so good. That's the biggest, I think, way that I self-sabotage. And I, I have to think really carefully like about, you know, if, if we're going to take on a new client or go in a new direction. And like, sometimes I do say yes to things and I realize I shouldn't have. And that does, it still happens to me all the time, but it's something that I'm working on. It's like, so check your yeses. <laughs> yes. I've, I've also heard it phrased as you have to protect your yeses with a thousand no's. Mm. That's so, so powerful. Yeah. Same idea. And, and the challenge is, is that as your business gets bigger, the opportunities get bigger and they come more frequently. So you're like, oh, this is, this is an amazing client. This is amazing opportunity. This is amazing thing that has been laid at our feet and we want to go after it. And that, that's the hard part. That's the part that you're not always ready for is the amount of great opportunities that get stacked up in front of you and having to stay true to your original yes. Like, ah, oh, I would love to do this thing. One of the things I do is I use as a decision filter. Is this thing in front of me going to get me closer to my three-year goal? And, it, and that's hard because you're like, but I really want to do this thing. And you have to sometimes walk away from some pretty amazing things that you're like, ah, it doesn't get me to my three-year goal. I'm going to have to say no. And it doesn't have to be that particular question, but create some kind of decision filter because if you're just relying on, well, do I want to do this thing? The opportunities will get sweeter. They'll be harder to say no to. That's such a, always April with the frameworks. I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> So Matt, I've got a couple more questions, but before I go there real quick, tell the pivoters where they can connect with you. Yeah. So actually the easiest way is probably my LinkedIn profile. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I think of all the social medias, that's the one I use most. Tells you a little bit about me. Um, (laughs) Yes. LinkedIn URL, linkedin.com slash in slash Matthew Starrett. So Matthew with two M's, S-T-A-R-R-E-T-T all one word. And so just, yeah, go connect with me, follow me on LinkedIn. Even Perfect. Me. That's probably the easiest. You can also go to my website, truvm.com or just email me matt at truvm.com. Perfect. And we'll put those in the show notes as well. So I, we love to close with this question. Are you ready for it, Matt? If you could tell the world one thing, what would it be? Uh, it's such a 
Such a good, simple question. I think that it's been said probably a million times and it's super cliche, but I just say, just be kind to yourself, be kind to others. There's a quote and it's, if I'm only for myself, what am I? If I'm only for others, who will be for me? If not now, when? It's Hillel, Jewish scholar. I'm like, I never thought I'd be studying Hillel, but came up in another podcast and I've like really, really dwelt um, on that one. And so that, yeah, that's my, my advice is um, be kind to yourself and to others. Yeah. Simple, but so relevant and absolutely what's needed right now. Absolutely. Matt, thank you so much for both sharing the, the technical piece of your business and insight, but also just you know, your journey and your mindset. When we sat through meetings, I've always admired both your abundance mentality, your kindness, the way that you lead your team and the way that you're really focused on your core values and bringing that both to your team and to your clients. I saw that through and through. And I just thought, man, am I glad that Matt is succeeded because he's the exact kind of business owner that we need more of. So thank you. Oh, thank, thank you so, so much, April. And like, you're doing an amazing job with Pivot Me. Like, it's been a privilege getting to watch you go from literally an idea through, you know, having the seedlings of a business and like watering that, nurturing it, watching it grow. And now the podcast is like taking off. You've had some heavy hitters on here. Definitely like have loved watching it, being a part of it in some ways. And yeah, I'm excited to see what's next. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. The key to success is the word no. Otherwise you'll be a slave to that decision. Man, that's so good, but it is so hard to implement. You see, when you're starting out, all you want is that big break, that big opportunity. You're saying yes to everything. Will you advise my company? Yes. Can you speak at this association? But of course, should we launch this new product, this event? Yes, 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 yes. When you begin, often your success is tied to saying yes to these opportunities. But eventually you cross over and you don't know that you crossed over. You don't like get a badge, a flag doesn't get raised. Your success eventually starts being tied to saying no to these same opportunities. You have to say no to new clients, to new projects, products, things you'd like to be a part of. You must say no a lot. I love that piece. When Matt was talking about that, making those quick decisions too, and asked, hey, is this a one-way door or a two-way door? That was gold. If it's a two-way door, then it goes through very fast. But if it's a one-way door, the decision might be fatal. Then he goes on this advice tour, he said, from his trusted advisors. He gets feedback. He knows when to spend the time on a decision and when to make it quickly. As we wrap up this conversation today, I want you to apply this concept of the door either being a one-way or a two-way door. Recognize what are truly big decisions and what are the micro decisions that can and should be made in the blink of an eye, speed of execution that is key. And let's get out there and execute. Make it a great day. Thank you so much for dialing in today. And don't forget, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, give us a five-star review. It means the world to us. Hit me up on Instagram at the April Garcia or check us out online at pivot-me.com. This is all made possible with the support of you listeners, the numerous contributors and our clients. Our music and production is by the amazing Rockwood Audio. Join me next time for more tips on how to hack success. And until then, make it a great day.
Thanks, guys. You guys are amazing.